0: continuing the food theme tonight and we've invited Christchurch chef Richard Till to join us to talk about cooking with what you've got and different approaches to making food go further as New Zealanders generally are having to cope with rising food prices. Feel free to text us a question for Richard on uh, 2101 and I'll endeavour to keep up with those. Hi Richard.
1: Good evening Susanna. How are you? Good
0: evening. I'm I'm good, thank you, and I'm looking forward to speaking with you because um, this is a topic that's um, close to my heart and something that, you know, every day I need to confront myself. Um, and of course, we've got thousands of people on the East Coast who've been having to cook without power, which is not easy, mm-hmm. right? Not especially with food in short supply, and hard, hard to imagine what that would be like. And and thinking you probably had to cook with gas for a while after the Christchurch 2011 earthquake. How did you deal with that?
1: Yes, well, we were in a similar but very different situation without power and without water, but for not as long as they're suffering up north and without the sort of added complications of all of the water and the sort of hygiene problems that come from what's in the water and in the silt. I mean, I know a lot of people here had the liquefaction silt that came out of the ground, but I don't believe that was quite as polluted as the silt from flood water. So there really are, there's layer upon layer and there are so many pockets of people who have suffered so greatly up there. And, you know, time is a great healer. And today is the 12-year, as I got my maths right, anniversary of the big Christchurch earthquake, which was the one that caused my freezer to um, (laughs) fail. And I didn't have enough in it for it to last very long. So I had to invite a lot of people around to eat the contents of my freezer. So, yes, yeah, so it is It's a, it is a very big issue. And um, they've been without for such a long time now. But I imagine that a lot of that sort of food supply and freezers will have been used or will not be usable by now.
0: Well, shall we start by looking at food safety? Like what mm. to avoid doing? Can we start there and then we can move into other aspects of this well, topic? Well,
1: I think the food safety issues, people... You have a very good sense of it, especially around stuff that's starting to go off. I mean, if it's sort of slimy and your nose tells it at you it's not right, then that's a very good judge. And there is all of the boil water notices about it. And they sort of kind of apply also to if you were to cook a soup or a stew and then didn't eat it all, I mean, the first and foremost thing with anything, and this goes for all of us in our own kitchens at home if we're making a stock, um, but more so in the situation they find themselves up there, is to cover everything so tightly. I, I was just reflecting before that you can make, um, you know, around that sort of spring, summertime, you can make elderflower champagne by just picking the elderflowers and putting it into. A slightly sort of sweet mixture with a little bit of lemon, and just the um, the yeasts and the atmospheric bacteria will start fermentation, and and you can bottle. So essentially, what I'm getting to the point is that you cover it to keep all of that that wild yeast and wild and the bacteria that are in the atmosphere from getting into your pot. Where, so if you'd made a big pot of soup on the barbecue in the morning and wanted to have it at night or maybe the next day, then you do need to bring, keep it covered and then bring it to the boil and boil it and cook it at that sort of high temperature for a good sort of half an hour to be absolutely safe.
0: I'm writing this down as we go along. Thank you. Now, what are some of the different approaches that we can take to making food go further? I'm thinking especially well, for families, but for all of us.
1: Yeah, right, Well, the other thing I really wanted to point out too is I know that you'll be your gas bottle, every sort of you know, ounce of that gas in it is going to be really precious. And um there's a, and essentially, again, all cooking, you're dealing with basically the laws of thermodynamics. You're ta- generally speaking, you're taking something, usually, it's come from a fridge in normal times. And so it's cold at sort of two or three degrees, and you have to get it to a temperature to render it into whatever state it is you wish it to be for the dish, you know. And when it's meat, you cook it for quite a long time. But, you know, sort of a, maybe 120, 160 degrees or something, and and sort of it drives the heat through it. And so you don't want to waste any of that in this sort of situation. You want to use every sort of drop of gas you've got. And so the first and tip you can give is, and I don't think even I forget what a big difference it makes to put a lid on a pot that you use about... Sort of forty to sixty percent more energy to cook um a pot of potatoes if you don't have a lid on it. That's a, a lot. Lid on it makes all the difference. And uh, my other thought would be other thing I am I'm imagining people are largely cooking on flat top barbecues. and the other tip I'd have would be to when you're cooking dinner, do a bit of prep for a future meal. It might be putting on another pot on the side with some potatoes and they may not and get them sort of hot and cooked and the heat will go through. And then you'll be able to maybe slice them and just put them on the barbecue to sort of kind of fry them as some kind of chip to go with the next meal. So my thought is really just to use every drop of that um, energy that's coming off that you've put into heating up that hot plate, every square inch of it to do something for this meal and the next meal.
0: Very good. Now, Mm. you are known for. Oh, sorry, say that again.
1: (laughs) You're wanting to get onto stretching food. (laughs) Oh,
0: I wasn't, but go on. No, I was. Well, maybe that's the phrase. I was just thinking that you're known for the importance of good old ordinary everyday meals. So, does Mm -hmm. that include stretching food?
1: Well, I guess, I mean, that, that was sort of what your producer spoke to me about is, you know, we're all, fi- this is something everybody's faced with, with rising prices and really wanting to make the most of everything. And, um, you know, I've been reflecting, I run a little business and we manufacture food and uh, and um, manufacture meals. And, you know, there was once upon a time that there were su- there was such a thing as sort of cheap cuts. but they seem to have sort of just evaporated one by one and everything has just got to be more expensive. So it's sort of making it harder to really find yourself in a situation to, to sort of have a quick shortcut to sort of stretching your budget, which is ultimately what you're wanting to do. You're wanting to get more meal for your sort of food budget dollar that's really the sort of nub of it isn't it Susanna?
0: That's exactly right so what are some good meal ideas that don't involve expensive food items?
1: Well I suppose and this is kind of a crossover to um the situation in the area struck by the emergency is that sort of one pot meal and um I'm in the sort of lucky situation of having a vegetable garden, so I find myself always um, going out there and getting a lot of things from the garden, and I will tend to then sort of sit and look at what I've got in the cupboard and then try and make something that's a one-pot sort of scenario around that. And my go-to in recent times has been using our old friend's pasta and I, my beloved is um, prefers a gluten-free diet, so we're using sort of gluten-free pasta. And the other one is making some kind of risotto. And so it's really, a, and that's a great one for, as we're talking about putting anything on the pot. So I'm making a sauce and then adding, in the pasta situation, the pasta to it, and cooking it in it. And so that'll work with a pot on a barbecue. And with a risotto, I'm chopping up whatever it is, which at the moment is enormous amounts of zucchini and um, basil and you know, silver beaten celery and things like that. And jalapenos, which, got, which is sort of like jalapeno roulette for me, because some of them are very hot and some of them you wouldn't know you'd put a chili in it. And then, seasoning all that up nicely and adding rice and cooking that sort of just gently again with the lid on. I mean, that's always rice always cooks better with the lid on and turning it off and letting it sit there. And that's a great meal, which I grate a little bit of cheese over the top of. And and that would be a tip too if people did. Yeah, well, I don't know. They will have eaten all their cheese, I would have thought by now. You can sort of store cheese under alcohol and it adds flavour. Put it under a bit of port or something if you happen to have some in the cupboard that's been lying around.
0: Good to know. Could we Mm. finish on fry pan skillet breads?
1: Ah, right. Yeah, well, that is. And that's one that you can really do with next to nothing. So there's sort of versions that you can do with um, both yeasted and unyeasted. So, the yeasted one, obviously is going to take a little bit longer because you'd like to give it a rise first, but a very, very simple just sort of a flat bread would be um somebody sort of round about three cups of flour and a bit of baking powder and a couple of teaspoons and some salt, about a teaspoon and a half, and some oil in it, maybe sort of three tablespoons. This is all just a rough guide off the top of my head, and then you want a cup of water. And recipes would encourage you for that to be iced water. But if you haven't got refrigeration then and you're in that situation, then water that's colder rather than warmer. And um, so you just make that into a dough and it should be reasonably, just combine it into a dough and then it'll let, let it rest for a while and then form it into sort of balls that are maybe about the size of a golf ball or an egg maybe, if and eggs, goodness me, that's a thing. Um, that's a thing. Yeah, boy, is that a thing. I had to make um, a large quantity of Yorkshire pudding the other day, which required 30 eggs. And crikey, that required quite an expenditure of um, hydrocarbon to drive around from store to tor- store to finally find one that would sell me enough eggs to do that. But that's another story. That's another so we're story. Back on the <laughs> And, um, so we' form it into balls, and then you roll it out, and then you can just have it on a sort of well oiled hot plate um just c- cook those breads just and not don't have the the hot plates so hot that they scorch without cooking through. You've rolled them out so that they're you know maybe two, three, four, five centimetres thick, and then just cook them on a gentle heat so that they brown nicely. And they'll just puff up a little bit and turn them over, cook them a little bit on the other side. And if you're cooking them in batches, then sort of stack them up with a tea towel over the top of them. And then you can put something in them and roll them up and have them as, you know, some kind of flatbread. What are we, What? Are, yeah, yeah, that's a sort of pita bread almost thing. But it's just a very quick, no yeast, no rise. And if you had a bit of yoghurt lying around, that would be quite nice. And, and instead of some of the water, that would give it an extra little lift too.
0: Richard Till, Christchurch chef, thank you very much for your insights tonight. Your yeah, your tips and tricks, greatly appreciated. Thanks so much for your time, Richard. Much. Right you are. All the okay. best.